So it's Father's Day, and I want to, um, you know, I always have a Father's Day message, and we always talk about the Father's heart, and we talk about, you know, good fathers and spiritual fathers and all that stuff. And by the way, worship has just been amazing, you know, amazing, amazing. So, um, but um, I want to talk about a different aspect of the Father, and that is um, what the Father has given us, number one, which we have been uh, emphasizing for the last few weeks, which is the Holy Spirit, right? He, he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus said, wait here for the promise that comes from the Father. And who did he send? He sent Holy Spirit, right, for us. And so today at the end of service, you know, if you don't speak in tongues, if you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to come up here and receive that, you know. Uh, it's it's the, the best gift. You know, Jude one twenty says that to build ourselves up in our most holy faith as we pray in the Spirit, right? So if you feel like your faith is weak, you know, or like there's an area in your life where faith is lacking, you don't feel very encouraged, you feel more discouraged, pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit because the Spirit will build your faith up, right? And that faith is good for any part of your life where you need faith, where you're lacking faith, you know? And so uh, at the end of the service, we're going to pray again, always do, for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because that's one of the gifts that the Father gives us. See, we need to know what's the role of a father. Jesus was in perfect communion with his father. And when his father uh, spoke to him, he spoke to people. What he saw his father do, he did, right? So, um, so we need our father's perspective on things, and we need to know what our father has given us. And one of those things was the, was the Holy Spirit, okay? And the other thing that a father gives, and that's where we're going to camp out for the next probably couple weeks, is that he speaks value to us. It is the father's job in a home not just spiritually, but also, you know, in families. It's the father's job to speak value and identity into his children. That's his job, you know. And by the way, we, um, you know, we also honor single moms uh, on this day, you know, moms that play both roles. So, you know, I know that I'm all over the place, so I'm going to ask for some grace. I normally I'm like, but single moms, would you please stand up? We want to honor you, and we want to pray for you. Is there any single moms here? Would you just stand up, please? Okay. One's already saying thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let's just bless them because they truly are doing both jobs, you know, and I, and I believe there is a grace, uh, supernatural grace for single moms, not only to provide and protect, but also to fill in, you know, uh, what, what the... What, what the father is lacking in, in that home and the children. So there's absolutely no fear, you know, and there's no uh, worry that, oh, my goodness, you know, I just need to get a man because of the, No, 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 absolutely not. This, you have a relationship with Heavenly Father, and he's the father to your children as well. And when you're plugged into a church, guess what? You get a whole village raising your children too, you know, which is fathers, and that's why spiritual fathers are so important. So would you stand up one more time? Let's pray over them. Father, we thank you for, uh, for single moms, Lord. We bless them, Lord. We just release a new level of prosperity and provision over them in the name of Jesus. And any single moms that I might be watching on live stream, in the name of Jesus, we bless you. We bless you. And we um, thank you, God, that you are their protector, that you're their provider, that you're their husband, that you're their, their children's father, and that they will lack nothing, 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 uh, from the Father, because they are introduced to their perfect Father, who is you. So we bless them in Jesus' name. We bless their children in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Here we go. So, um, you know, funny thing, this is what I was talking about last time I taught. 
of his identity. So here's part two. <laughs> so if we put that in the series, it'll be like part 17, you know, something like that. Um, but, um, but it's identity, and I'm not going to teach that message, but I'm going to continue on. And, um, and if you can open up your Bible with me, we're going to go to the book of Exodus. And I'm going to speak to you today. It's impossible to speak all of it, but I'm going to speak to you today what, what the Father would speak over you, you know. Um, I think my first teaching on identity was uh, a lot of it discovering and unlearning and realizing where do I draw my identity incorrectly, right? Uh, a lot of times uh, we've been taught that it's the what. What do I do, you know? And there's a lot of people looking for purpose in life, and they're thinking like, oh, okay, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that, I'm going to try... They try many things, but they don't really know who they are, and they don't know whose they are, right? And, uh, and we, we talked about a few months ago, like, God's nature, right? Because we need to know who He is and renew our mind about His goodness. And then we can know that he, He's the one we belong to. And if we belong to Him, we know we belong to a good God, who is always good, only good, and good all the time, Right? And then when we, when we carry that on, you know, it, and I start knowing not whose I am, but who I am, right? Who do I belong to? And what I'm supposed to do comes as an effortless fruit of knowing my Father and knowing who I am in Him. And people in the world have it backwards. They try everything. They f- get frustrated. You know, nothing works. This doesn't work. This kind of work. Worked for a little bit. And they're still trying to find out what their purpose is. But all of that would be solved if we had a strong, close relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because it's His job to tell us our value, our identity, our purpose. You know, And Jeremiah says that He knew us before we were born. He had a book about us before we were born. He knew us in our mother's womb. He had a story about us. He had a plan for us, a purpose, gifts, callings, talents, strengths in us, right? About who we are and about what we we're supposed to do. So when we know him, we save a lot of time, of pain, of frustration, uh, of things, because we know him, and he's the one speaking to us who we are. And so we need to correct the order and start knowing his nature, right, which we talked about, and then knowing who we are. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We were born again. It's a new beginning. Everybody likes new beginnings, right? New beginning, new year, right? A birthday, we're going to do things new. Well, with our Father, you know, when we're born again, that's exactly what He gives us. He gives us the privilege to be called His sons, right? The power to be called His sons. And with that comes new life. But many people are saved, but they're not children. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, here we go. So, where do I wrongly have drawn my value from, my worth from, right? And there was a lot of unlearning and identifying those things like, oh my goodness, I've been drawing my value from my career. I've been drawing my value from the friends I hang out with. I've been drawing my value from the clothes that I wear. I've been drawing my value from, you know, from the spouse that I had. I've been drawing my value from how needed I am. I've been drawing my value from how much money I have. I, you know, and I, and I really hope that all of you have had time to meditate on that and, and realize where you draw your value from. Because here's the thing. More than ever now, you know, Pastor Kara's teaching, like, you know, the end times, the birth pains, like, Jesus is coming sooner than we know. Like, COVID last year was like a, 
you know, a mini test of what, you know, what's going to be like when things get really tough. And it's like, how do we do? Okay. One of the main things we need to know is who we are, is our identity. Because if we know our identity as sons and daughters of, of God, then nothing can shake us. We will truly be like Psalm says, like Mount Zion that is not shaken, that is not moved, right? The winds come and storms come and things like that. That, that stuff is going to come. But we will not be shaken. We will not be moved. We will not be in fear. We will not react to the world. Why? Because we're not of this world, right? But it only happens if we truly know our value and our identity directly from our Heavenly Father. And so for that, it takes unlearning. First of all, where do I get value from? You want to hear something funny? Not so funny? I've been learning a lot about that. Let me say that, experiencing a lot about that, right? And making sure that where was my identity really coming from? You know, I said to you before that a lot of times people, um, even in church, they can get value out of just serving, right? Oh, you know, a whole value is wrapped up in what I do. Not saying stop doing things, but we need to recognize that our value doesn't come from what we do. Our value has to come from who we are and whose we are. You know, I'm going to skip. I don't care. <laughs> whose son you are or daughter is so important. It's everything. Whose you are is everything. Think about it. In the Bible, how many times you go reading through things and more than their name, it's, Son of, right? That's why Jesus, you know, is referred to as the son of God. Even in honoring and in dishonoring, in valuing and in devaluing, in praising and in insulting, whose son you are is so important, which is why it's even a cuss word. Son of why why would that be you know a way to insult someone because it shows us how important it is to know whose son you are right this you know abraham isaac son of abraham jacob son of isaac right and then the genealogies go showing like whose son they were all the way to jesus right whose son are we whose daughter are you is so important Thor, son of Odin, right? Like even, like everywhere. If you don't get that joke, don't worry about it. Just, just. Whose son, whose daughter you are is so important. And that's why when we are born again, your biological family and past no longer determines your future. Your mistakes, your past, what family you came from, what school you went to, what friends you had, the things you did, the sin that you did, the, this, all that. It no longer defines your future. Why? Because you've been bought at a price of blood and you no longer <laughs> belong to you. You belong to him. And now you're his son. Okay, so let's read Exodus real quick. Um, or I'll continue to just be all over the place. But anyways, it's something I've been learning 
a lot, you know, that um, for the first four weeks, I couldn't even come to church. <clears throat> so everything was stripped away from me. I, I, I couldn't get out of bed by myself. I couldn't, um, I couldn't do anything. Like everything changed so quickly. Um, and I, and I had to, it lasted, I had some hard moments, you know, um, I, I understand, I understood things that I didn't understand before, you know, and I want, I want to clarify something too, just right off the bat, you know, God had absolutely nothing to do with my accident, nothing, right, Romans 8, um, 28 says that everything works together for the good of those who love God, right? And I do believe that God is, has, and will continue to turn something beautiful out of this accident, out of this situation, you know? He, he not just in me, but in all of us and in our church, you know? And, and I see that. I've seen that from the very first moment. I've seen like, wow, this is amazing. Like, like not that I wish I was in this situation, but it's amazing. God's, see, God's vengeance is not striking people down. God's vengeance is on the enemy. God's vengeance is on the devil. It's, it's, it's taking something that the enemy meant for evil and then be like, no, actually, it's going to be even better. You know? And, and so when we surrender those things to him, which was part of the journey that I'll be sharing with you, you know, that um, we allow God to step in and to actually turn something beautiful. And, um, and so anyways, so many things stripped away from me, right? Like, I can't preach, which is like my favorite day is Sunday. I get to see everyone. I get to teach. I was gone, right? I can't lead worship, which I love. I, you know, can't even come in the office. I, uh, there's just nothing, everything. And I, and I, and I understand how people go into depression. And I understand now firsthand how, you know, people have suicidal thoughts, and I understand now firsthand why, you know, people just don't have energy and courage and, and like strength to, to keep going. And it was time to, okay, well, what do we always say? We say, you know, it's, it's not, um, this kind of stuff cannot change our theology, right? God's word is still the same. And I'll continue to stand on the word till my experience becomes his word. Instead of watering down the word to the experience that I'm currently having. Um, I always say this, I'm not what I do, right? <laughs> well, it was time to, <laughs> to really press into that. I've been doing, uh, you know, I, I love going, I loved going to the gym and I will go again, but, um, but I, I just, I, I was in such a great, you know, place, physically healthy and all this stuff. And now it's like, doctor's like, yeah, you're going to lose muscle about 2% a day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Lost a lot of weight, you know. I always say, like, also to the youth, right, I tell them, like, you know, you can't put value on your clothes and what you look like, you know. And I'm telling you, I don't like what I look like, you know. <laughs> My clothes used to fit really good. Now they fit kind of big. Some of my shorts were falling off. 
I'm like, oh gosh, like I need to crank this belt, you know, really? So, and, uh, and you, you start seeing all these things that, okay, I'm, I'm glad I don't draw value from there. Wait, did I any? Well, okay, not anymore. Like <laughs> I can't draw any value from that, right? And at the end of the day, when it's all stripped out, it's like, who are you? And I was singing that song that we were singing today. I'm loved by you. That's who I am. I'm loved by you. That's who I am. I am loved by you, and that is who I am. Not just I'm not just his son, Benjamin, son of God, but I'm loved by him. And if I can, and if I can just sit on that foundation, if I can just, you know, my whole life just lay on that rock that I am his and that he loves me, I'm good. Uh, I'm just going to mention this. Um, well, um, gosh, so many notes. Where to go? I hope this is um, blessing you today. Um, so, anyways, it's really that stripping down, you know. And and none of you have to go through something like this. Maybe you have already. Maybe you are. But you don't have to go through something like this. Something you just. You just need to know in your heart, like, if everything was stripped away, do, do I still feel valuable, you know? Do I still have an identity, right? And that is a big question. Because that's the, that's the question that matters the most. So I'm not what I do. I can wear many hats, okay? But... The hats that I wear, the roles that I play, they don't increase or they don't decrease my value and my worth. Right? That's why we can have, you know, people who in the eyes of the world are very valuable and people who in the eyes of the world are not very valuable. But in the house of God, we're all just as valuable. We're all sons and we're all daughters. That's it. Well, I mean, hold on. Let me clarify that. We're all sons and the women are daughters. Twenty twenty one, you gotta <sighs> um so what I do, how much money I make, my success, all this stuff, you know, it, it can I cannot let it increase or decrease my value. Can I get pleasure out of it? Absolutely. You know, I was looking forward to today. You know, I'm excited about this. This is what I'm created to do, right? It's part of my calling. And so, of course, I get pleasure out of it, but it cannot be where my value comes from, right? Yeah. So what do you draw value from incorrectly? Where do you incorrectly draw value from? You know, and that's a question you need to explore yourself be like yeah it's been it's been about this or it's been about that it's been about career like when i i feel more valuable when i have more success i feel more valuable when i have more money i feel more valuable when i'm driving a newer car i feel more valuable when i have new clothes it's like hold on 
All those things are okay. But you shouldn't be drawing value from that. You can't. Because when that fails, and I'm telling you, it takes one second, and everything changed. And I'm faced with this, where's my value from? Who am I? And if I never did any of those things again, am I still okay being a son who is loved by him? Now, I know my calling and I know my purpose, so I know that I'm getting healed. I know I'm getting stronger every day. I know I'm going to run again on the beach and do long jump. Just so you know, that's my picture. I was in the pit, in the desert, halfway down that cliff, you know, like, it was not a cliff cliff like this, it was like a really steep um, drop. And, uh, and I tell you, the enemy moves quick. The enemy moves so, so fast. And the uh, first thought that came was not mine. It was his, the enemy's thought. And it was, um, that's it, you're done. You're done. I'll never walk again, never run again, never... All, all this stuff. I'm telling you, it was like the floodgates of hell opened up, right? Of lies, like just. And it was probably a split second. The Holy Spirit was like, "Nope, change the picture, change your image." And I'm like, "Yep, yeah, that's right, that's right." And that's what I saw. I saw myself running on the beach, you know. Long jump came afterwards, you know. You know, I won gold in the Olympics in my school when I was a child. Long jump. I mean, you got to make these legs work, you know. If God gave them to me for something. <laughs> you didn't know that, babe? So, so that's, that was my picture. I immediately changed that. I'm like, no, that's what I'm going to see. That's what I'm going to see. Like, I remember my preaching, you know. That's good. Because if you don't use it, what happens? You lose it. You lose it. Just like the muscle that, I, that I've lost, you know, that I'm gaining back. <sighs> I had to hold on to this. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, so I can, I can have many roles, right? You can, um, you can be a mom. You can be a dad. You can be a real estate agent. You can be a mechanic. You can be whatever. You're like, these are roles, right? You can do all these things and do them with excellence. But it shouldn't be where you draw your value from. It shouldn't be where you're like, you know, who are you? Like, oh, I'm just this or I'm, or I'm that. You know, like, no, no, no. Like, you know who you are. You know, what do you do? Oh, that's what I do for a living. You know, those are things that I do for a living. But that's not where my identity is, is founded. That's not where, where my, my rock is. That's not, no. It's like, who are you? Just remember the Bible. Remember Thor. It's like, no, I'm, you know, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I'm a child of God, and he loves me. He likes me. Angels rejoice over me. Demons flee from me. God himself dances over me with singing. Like, that's who I am. I'm a party waiting to happen. We've had more people over in our house in this last two months than we did in the last year. <laughs> two years. Last year is easy to beat, right? Um... And so, 
you wear the mom hat, you wear the dad hat, you wear the job hat, you wear all, all these hats, and that's okay, you know? It's like, see, it's, there's a difference on how you identify yourself than how people identify yourself. And all those hats is how people identify you. You show up to somebody's house, you're there to do a job, you're the AC guy, okay, that's how they identify you. But that's not who you are. And the problem is many times we, we are not in a close relationship with our Father God, that we're not receiving identity and value from Him, that as people identify us as all those things, we just adopt those things as our own identity. We go, oh, well, yeah, of course, that's, that's who I am. No, that's not who you are. That's what you do, you know? Your mom, being a mom is amazing, but shouldn't be where you draw your worth from because when your kids leave the house, then what happens? You're still a daughter of God. You follow? Is this helping you? Okay. It's helping me. Joseph was the favorite son. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. Joseph was the baby of the family. Any babies here? Who's the baby of their family here? Go, oh, okay, it all makes sense. Yeah, it all makes sense. A baby. They're amazing. Joseph was the baby. He was the favorite son, you know. So I'm going to go into a little bit of what I have for, for today's teaching. Um, no, I know. <laughs> I'm about to read another one, too. Proverbs 30, 22, you know, it says um, that under these things, under three things, no, four things, the earth trembles. And then it says, four it cannot endure. Verse 22 says, a slave who becomes a king. A slave who becomes a king. And I... And that, that's one. That's what we're saying, you know. Slave who becomes a king. And I, I couldn't understand this. Um, I couldn't understand this proverb for many years. You know, I, I've read it a hundred times. And I'm like, what does that mean? A slave who becomes a king. And so, you know, in the last probably seven years, the Lord uh, taught me what this means. Um, and if we go to Exodus, where I was, Exodus chapter 2. And I'm going to start reading, you, uh, reading to you about Moses in verse 11. Um, and why is this important? Because this is part of our identity. And a lot of times, finding our identity also has to do with discovering who we're not supposed to be or what, where we're not supposed to draw our worth and our value, who we are from. And so, um, it says in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11. So, what's happened here? Another baby genocide killing, right? Pharaoh said, kill all the babies under two years. Um, you know, the enemy is always looking to kill babies saying that church right the enemy is always looking to kill babies and children and pervert children in any way they can any way he can you know and so right here there was one of those uh situations right and the enemy wanted to kill babies because first he didn't want jesus to come because in genesis you know in the, in the very beginning you know uh, god told the serpent you know and and it's the woman's seed who is going to you know hit bruce you on the head and so the enemy's been after children, so the children wouldn't be born, so Jesus wouldn't come, so he wouldn't redeem everything, so he wouldn't empower us, so he wouldn't, you know, uh, so we wouldn't have lots of Jesus running around the earth, you know, bringing heaven on earth. And he's still doing that today, right? Because he doesn't want the next generation and the next generation. And he'll do that any way he can. I mean, if he, if he can confuse people on their gender so that they can't even reproduce and fill the earth, he'll, he'll do that, as stupid as it sounds. As contrary as it goes to one's human body and every cell in their body, he will try anything. So, 
right here you have that happening, right? And uh, Moses is saved by um, Pharaoh's daughter. And uh, in, in verse, and so what happened is Moses was a Hebrew baby, right? But he was adopted into the palace, into the royal family. So Moses grew up as royalty. God had a plan, right, to deliver Israel from slavery from the Egyptians. But he couldn't use a slave to deliver slaves. He needed a royalty, a king, to deliver the slaves. See, a, a slave cannot deliver slaves. And that's why it's sad when we have so many leaders that are slaves crushing the people they're supposed to lead. And so many years later, it says, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. Remember, Moses is walking out there, seeing his people, but he is royalty, right? It says, during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Whoa. There is a thirst for justice in true royalty. True kings and queens want to see real justice. And that's the heart of God. He's a God of justice, right? So he couldn't bear this injustice happening, right? I'm not saying go out and kill people that are doing unjust things, you know. But this is, this is like, it's, it's what came up out of him. It's like, no, this is not okay. And he went out and he, and he took that guy out. And he took justice in his arms. Why? Because he was raised as a prince. This is the next day when Moses went out to visit his people again. He saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating your friend? Moses said, the one who has started the fight. So now, again, he comes out and he sees now two brothers fighting. And, and he's like, you know, intervening in them. Why? Because he's being a father. He's being, he's being royalty. He's being a leader, right? And it says, the man replied. Remember, these men are slaves, okay? It says, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Now, doesn't this sound a little weird to you? Like, wouldn't you, like, if I was one of those Hebrew slaves, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, sorry, thank you. And by the way, thanks for uh, helping us yesterday with that, with that one. But see, slave mentality thinks really different. Slave mentality is never thankful. It's never grateful. Slave mentality, you know, is, is entitled Right? And it's jealous. And so these guys were like, hey, you know, like, stay out of our business. They were almost like offended, intellectually offended that Moses, who helped them, was like now trying to stop their fight, trying to rule them. But see, that was royalty in him acting out looking justice, looking to lead. And so what happens afterwards, you know, uh, Moses flees because he's afraid that they're going to tell on him. And he, indeed, the Pharaoh hears about it. And Pharaoh, you know, is looking for him to kill him. But Moses escapes the land and he leaves. Okay. Now, um, 
Moses was the one that God designated to lead the people out of Israel. I'm sorry, out of Egypt, right? Israel out of Egypt. He's the leader he appointed. Why? And because he was raised in the palace. That's the, that's the reason he was raised in the palace, was to be able to lead people out because a slave cannot lead slaves into freedom. It's a mindset, yeah. So here's what happens. You know, obviously we know the whole story, right? And he, he leads them out into Egypt. And if you study the Exodus and you study what happened in the desert, what, what, what was it? Like these slaves never made it to the promised land because though they were free, they were still slaves in their hearts and in their minds. And they died in the desert. And it was the next generation that went into the promised land because they came out of slavery, but slavery never came out of them. Many times we say, and, and we do this, this um, analogy, this comparison, that it is Egypt, when we come out of Egypt, represents when we get saved. Right? Represents we got saved. You confess Jesus in your heart. He is your Lord and he is your Savior. You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. And then what happens? You'll be saved. You're saved. And so two million people came out of Egypt. They were saved. They obeyed God. They stayed in their homes to Passover. They came out. They came out with plunder. They saw miracles. They saw the hand of the Lord deliver them, open the Red Sea, right? Open, open the waters, go through on dry land, and they come out on the other side. And they're free. They were free on the outside, but they were slaves on the inside. And you know what the language of the slaves are, uh, of slaves is, is, is murmuring and complaining. And they did that for 40 years in the desert. They didn't trust God. They didn't obey God because they didn't trust God because you, tr you can't obey someone you don't trust. And then they died there. They didn't see the promised land. And sadly, that's the story of many believers. So I want to suggest something to you. I'm not, this isn't a new theology. I'm not ascribing a new doctrine. So none of that, okay? But I want to suggest to you that a lot of people get saved, but they never become children of God. A lot of people get saved. They come out of Egypt, but they never become sons and daughters of God. I'll prove it to you. Go with me to John 1. I'm sorry, no, Romans 8. Can you put that one up, uh, please? Romans 8, 15. I'm not saying they're not saved. Don't misunderstand me, okay? So, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, okay? It says, for a spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Okay, so that's, that's what he has given us. That's the option that we have, okay? Um, and then it goes, uh, verse uh, se 17, it says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Now, we 
We were made children of God. Like, we can be children of God, okay? If you go to John 1, 12, let's go to John chapter 1, verse 12. I'll put it up on the screen real quick, okay? It says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, let's, let's stop there for a second. We all know the scripture that says, you know, but if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. saved. Sozo, right? You're saved. That means you're going to heaven. And we know that the word sozo, salvation, has so much more in that, right? That is set free, delivered, prospered, healthy, in peace, and all this stuff, right? But... But it says, if you, conf- if you believe in your heart, you confess through the mouth, you will be saved. Now, what we read here is amazing because it says, um, go back to verse 12, please. It says, to all who believed in him and, he, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a couple of words here that are... Um, The word received, okay, as many as received him, it says to take, literally, figuratively, okay, to get a hold of, um, to have offered to one, okay, uh, to accept, right, which is the, the word that we use a lot, to accept Jesus in your heart, to catch, to hold, to obtain, okay. So to those that have accepted him, okay, it says, and, and believe, believed him and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. Now, I want to show you this other word here. That is the word, uh, gave the right. The right, and some, some versions say the power to become children of God. Okay? And this is the word exosia in the Greek. Okay? And it means, sorry, Nick, exosia. And it means <laughs> ability. It means privilege. Okay? I want you to pay attention to what all these words have in common, right? And it's the right to become children of God. It says privilege, ability, freedom, competency. Um, It says uh, delegated influence, authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, a right to what? Become children of God. What that means is that that's optional. That's optional. When you have a right and a privilege, it doesn't just come upon you. You have to exercise it. Okay? So you believe in your heart. You confess through your mouth the Lord Jesus, right, in, in the Lord Jesus, and you are saved. But the, pro- the, the reality is that most believers or many believers aren't living as royalty, as children of God. Because even though they have received him, they still have not exercised the right and privilege to live, act, think, and speak like royalty. Like a child of a king, which makes you... You know, you know why he says that he's king of kings? Like, who do you think the kings are? It's us. We're royalty. You know, if we go to First Peter... Um, Chapter 2, verse 9. You can put that up. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Say, I am chosen people. I'm a royal priest. 
So your royalty and your priesthood. That speaks to your identity in Christ. That's who you are. You know, we read just a few minutes ago in, in Romans 5, right? We are, we've been given that. We're children of God. We can call him Abba Father. Or you can call him Master. I'm your slave only. All right? You can call him. You can. See, here's the thing about Joseph. Joseph, and uh, he's in Genesis 37. I don't know if I'm going to have time to go in there. But Joseph was the favorite son, right? And he's an example of somebody who, his situation changed many times over it. Let's just go there. Thank you. Genesis 37.3 says, Jacob loved, loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. When the Ishmaelites, uh, let's go to verse 28. Says, so what happened between these, these verses is that his brothers got jealous. Okay? He was the favorite. They got really angry. Joseph was immature, rubbed it in their faces quite a few times. They were upset at him so evil that they, they took Joseph and they did this horrible thing to him. It says, when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled them out of the cistern, or a hole, right, and sold them to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt, okay? So he went from being the favorite son, the baby, to being a slave, right? But here's the amazing thing about Joseph. That through everything that happened, he stayed the favorite son in his heart. He was always the favorite. That never changed. Because he knew whose son he was, and he knew he was the favorite. Okay? So let's, let's read the, that next verse, um, Joel, and it's uh, verse, oh, chapter 39, verse 4. Okay? So watch this. His hat changes several times. Okay? That's why I was telling you at the beginning, we can change hats so many times. But those hats don't define us. We need to stay the same regardless of the identities that people give us, whether it's because of our job or whether it's because you got bullied and somebody called you something. Like it, Regardless, those identities they put on us is not who we are. It's not where we draw value from. We draw value from who we are in him, which we are his children, loved by him. Okay. So Joseph was the favorite one, Okay, and he said, um, so he... Then he, he became uh, a servant in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar, okay. And it says, this pleased Potiphar. So he made Joseph his personal attendant. So he's climbing up the ladder, right? And then he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Why do you think that is? Because Joseph had a great attitude. And why did he have a great attitude? Because he knew who he was regardless of his surrounding situation. Regardless of what was happening around him, regardless of the unjust, it's like how many people have a situation that become victims and they stay victims the rest of their lives, right? That's a problem because it means that they're drawing their value, their worth, and everything out of what happened to them, out of the situation, out of the job, out of the pay, out of the, you know, the injustice. Joseph never did that. In his heart and in his mind, he was always daddy's favorite. And you know what happens? He became Potiphar's favorite. How many of babies are here? Um, um, I mean, like baby, like the last borns of the family. Sorry, you know. Okay. 
See, I would say, I would dare to say that most of you have a belief that people just like you. And if they don't like you, there's something wrong with them. Right? You're just likable. Maybe you were the teacher's favorite, too. And so this was Joseph in his heart and his mind. He's like, oh, what? Yes, he had a dream. You know, he, he had a vision. But he was raised. Remember, your belief system is formed by age five. Like, what percentage? 80? 80% of your belief system is formed by age five. So he was about 17 when he got sold as a, as a slave. So he was a baby. He was the favorite son. I have a whole series on the favorite son. You can scan the QR code back there and, and listen to it. Um, but anyways, next one. Uh, put the next, the next verse, uh, which is verse 6. It says, Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. You know, that also means that he was now over the other servants in the house and everything. Right? It says, with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. It's a pretty easy life, right? Good stuff. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Okay? And then um, what happens after this? Uh, let's go to verse 20. It says, um, well, what happened in between those verses is uh, Potiphar's wife got crazy, tried to rip his clothes off and do inappropriate things with him. And, um, and Joseph is like, nope, nope, nope. I will not do this. I will not sin against my God, you know. And, um, and he run, ran away. And then she told another story. Her narrative was quite different. And, um, and so Potiphar took Joseph, threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. So now he's in a different situation again, right? Another injustice. What's going to happen? You think, man, this guy's going to break now. You know, he's going to go into depression. Like, like he's probably having suicidal thoughts. And who knows? Maybe he did. Maybe he did for a few days. Maybe I, I don't know. You know, I had some depressing thoughts for a few days. You know, As a matter of fact, probably for a couple of weeks, I had some ups and downs. I was like, hey, why, 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 why? And, and, and I'm going to, you know, in the next few weeks, I'm going to give you a clear idea of the journey and what, what I did because I, I literally felt like uh, one of my, I had some milestones, some big turnarounds. And, and one of the biggest ones was uh, coming back to church. I don't know how people stay out from church for so long, man. It's life-giving. You know, it's life-giving. And, um, and uh, you know, I would sing that every time uh, the worship team did, uh, I'm going to live, going to live again, you know, like, because some, sometimes you, you felt like you weren't alive, you weren't living, you were just like surviving, like, when is this going to be over? It feels like eternity. And, I, and maybe Joseph had a few days like that, but he turned quickly either way, right? And I'm just assuming there. It says he took Joseph through in prison. Verse 22 says, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners again and over everything that happened in prison. You're the boss. Why? Because he was always the favorite. He never stopped acting as a favorite. 
You know, like I can imagine him in, in this great attitude, just acting like the favorite and like, you know, with the slave masters, like, I bet I'm your favorite, huh? There's no other prisoner as good looking as me, huh? Yeah, I know it. Hey, watch me. I'm doing push-ups right now, you know? It's like, did you see that? Yeah. You don't even have to beat me. I'll just do whatever you want, right? Like in Potiphar's house, you know? Like you could just imagine like Joseph, you know, how do you become the favorites? Because you already know you're the favorite, you know? And then he became the favorite in prison again, you know? In verse uh, 40, you know, we, we skip and, and we see like now he's out of prison. Now he's in Pharaoh's house. Like talk about, you know, at the top of a world power in that time, right? It says, you will be in charge of my court. Now the Pharaoh is telling him this, right? And all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have rank higher than yours. So when you know who you are inside, the situation around you doesn't matter. It will always mold to what's in here. You know how we say, like, you attract things? Well, yeah, I mean, Joseph was thrown from injustice to injustice to injustice to injustice. But then what happened? In his heart, he always knew who he was. His, his, his value didn't change. His identity didn't change. The roles and the hats that he wore were different. They changed involuntarily, right? But he always found himself going up to the top once and again and again and again. Why? Because what was in here was creating the situation around him even when people were messing with it. Amen. Mm. You know, from the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, what was attacked? Identity. Through seeds of doubt, right? The Bible says they were created in the likeness and the image of God. They were given everything. And the devil comes and he's like, if you eat this, you will be like God. You know, like, and you go, wait, they were already like God. They were already like God. So he came in and questioned their identity. Are you really a boy? You're really a girl? You don't really like sports. You like more of the artistic stuff. So maybe you're not a boy. Look at all those rough, tough boys out there. Are you really a girl? You kind of like to play sports. And, you know, you don't like to be a cheerleader. So are you really a girl? Are you sure? And now we have the devil giving him a hand from the outside, too. Because if I can question your identity and you bite that hook, you know, and I'll just keep reeling you in, keep reeling you in, and that's what the enemy does. And so he had Eve, you know, eat the thing and then give it to Adam. The same thing happened to Jesus. He was in the desert, right? Hungry. You know, the, the worst hunger came after the 40 days. And uh, he goes, are you really the son of God? Right? He's always questioning that thing that scares him the most. 
Because if you discover that you're a child of God and you start acting like it, you know, I think the devil got really mad at me because I was talking about this before I had the accident. We were talking about identity. And these are times where identity is being attacked from every and any platform, anywhere, you know, hard. Because the enemy's scared that if, you know, what it says is that creation trembles awaiting for the children of God to rise up. Because if they do, oh man, worldwide revival is going to break out. People are going to get saved. The enemy is going to go to hell alone. And he doesn't want that. And so, it is crucial we know our, our newborn identity, right? That we walk in sonship more than ever. That we teach the generations, you know, their identity in God, in Christ. They're new. The enemy will, will question that identity any opportunity he gets. And when you're the weakest, you know, he comes at it the hardest. You know, because that's when you start questioning everything. Am I really, are you really the son of God? Am I really important? Do I really have a purpose in life? Do I? And so today I want to pray over you. And um, was that helpful to anybody? Yeah. Okay. Um, again, I apologize. I just kind of, especially to the ones trying to follow my notes back there. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so if you, um, if you just close your eyes where you're at, I want to pray over you. And you already know um, where you wrongly drawn value from you know this this is so important this is you know some people would think like this is a feel-good message oh yeah this is just to make us feel good now let me tell you something people's lives are hanging you know by a thread and you know the one that can save them you know the one that can bring purpose to their life you know the one that can bring value to their life in in your life many times it's not on a solid rock because you you just question these things that the enemy brings to you you know and we need to be so secure in who we are in him we need to be so confident in our identity in him and what he did for us and that we are i'm a king i'm a prince i'm royalty I'm a priest because I can go before God and I can bring people before God, but I am a king. I am royalty. And when you know that, when you act like that, you know you're the favorite. Guess what? What you create around you, what you bring around you, what you attract to you is completely different. So it is important. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter your past. None of that because you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus and you're a new creation now. And so today, let it be the day that is, is a milestone, that is a marker that you go, if everything was stripped, I am a child of God. And it won't. It won't. God doesn't do that. I don't want to be just saved. I want to be a child of God. And that power, that option, that ability to act like, be like, speak like, and think like royalty, 
He gave it to us. He gave it to us. So God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you didn't just save us so that we wouldn't burn in hell, God, but that you saved us and you restored us to being royalty with you. That we are kings, queens, priests. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, you're the one that leads us into all truth. You're the gift the Heavenly Father gave us. You're the gift, the one that makes us identify ourselves as children of God. And many of you are thinking, well, why aren't we servants? You know what? We serve our Father. We build His kingdom as a family business. It's a family thing. We're building His kingdom. So we serve Him, yes. But there's a higher reality than that. They say, you're royalty. You know, the reason you allow people to treat you some way sometimes is because you've lacked this truth in your life. The reason why girls will settle and, you know, and allow abusive and inappropriate situations in their lives, or even guys, is because they don't know who they are. You're a prince. Royalty isn't treated like that. You have all the resources that you need because you're royalty. And that's where we need to draw our value from. My confidence is not arrogance. It's not pride. My confidence comes from knowing who I am in Him. See, Moses was royalty, but he didn't consider himself better or above than. You know, the Bible tells us, consider yourself like Jesus did with the same attitude. That being king, being royalty, being, being God, he didn't equate himself as that. Like, in other words, he didn't think of himself as above others. He came to serve others. So the thing about royalty is that when you know who you are in him, you know your royalty, it, you don't care to get down there like Moses did and, and with, with people and, and do justice and, and serve them and help them. See? We serve like kings. But it doesn't mean arrogance. It's just the confidence of who we are. And in these times more than ever, we need that. We need to know that. And we need to bring people up to that place. Because the people we're called to lead, the people we're called to lead, will be crushed under slaves that are leading. We cannot be slaves out in the desert. We need to get into the promised land. We need to know who we are in Him. We need to know we're royalty. You're royalty. So just right there where you're at, you know, just tell Him, thank you, God, that you made me your child. And not just your child, but that you, you, you have seated me in heavenly places and you've made me a co-heir with Christ Jesus. That I am royalty. Tell Him, Holy Spirit, help me understand this truth. For some people, it's really hard to see yourself because all your life, people have been identifying you with other things and you've settled for that and you've drawn your value and your worth all the way down to those things and those hats that you've worn, those roles that you've done. So today, you put a stop to that and you make a clear, clear change, a clear connection that says, that's not who I am. That's what I do. I can serve people in those areas. I can serve people in those roles. In my, my children, I can serve them like that. But that's not who I am. I am a child of God, and I am royalty. 
I am royal priesthood. I'm the cream of the crop. I'm as good as it gets because I was purchased by the price of the blood of Jesus. And that's where my value, that's where my worth comes from. Not from looks, not from money, not from intelligence, not from titles, not from accomplishments, not from any of those things. But I am a child of God and I am loved by Him. I am loved by Him. So if you agree with that, you know, and just... Just, just want you with your eyes closed. Can you see yourself, um, you know, wearing a crown? Can you see yourself with royal robes? Can you see yourself how God sees you? How does God see you? You know, the Father right now on Father's Day, He's giving you that picture right now. Don't open your eyes till you see that picture. You seated in heavenly places. You know, the Bible tells us we're not of this world because when you were born again, you were given this identity, this nature. You were given a place in heavenly places, seated next to Jesus. That's your place. And when you walk here on earth, don't take off your royal clothes. Just see yourself like Moses. He came out of that place. He walked on earth. He was with the people, helping them, setting them free. You know, that's our calling. It's Isaiah 60. Same as Jesus, been anointed for this reason, set the captives free, bring good news, good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted. What? Slaves can't do that. It takes royalty to do that. You're that, you're that royalty. And if we don't walk in that royalty, we will crush the people we're called to lead. So, Father, I thank you right now. You're giving us a new picture, a new image of how you really see us, how we really are. Thank you. Thank you. I pray this truth would just be settled in people's heart. Thank you, God.